Well, this is a, uh, a, a very good morning. We want to welcome everybody at church at home this morning. And I don't know if they would hear if you clapped that they're watching, but I'm so glad you're with us. This is our first Sunday. We're doing live streaming now. For you down here who may not know, we have our camera up in the balcony at the moment. And uh, we're going to have some adjustments. We realize this is the first time, and when you do something for the first time ever, you, if, if it goes really well, you, you, you go out for lunch or something. <laughs> but but uh, we will be doing some adjustments. Um, right now, you're seeing the words as they come on the screen with us in the, uh, in the wide shot. But by next week, we should be able to have... Um, a little picture-in-picture -picture window for the Church at Home people that will show everything you see on the screen here, and it'll be in the corner of the, the other picture. So I think that will be a, a great improvement. I just wanted to say, man, this is, you're, you're, you're making, you're making part, you're part of history making today. Isn't that cool? How many times can you say, we're making history today? <laughs> Even in a little way. But I'm so glad. And I'm so glad that we can gather and that we can do this. We know there are some tremendous challenges ahead of us. We also know there's some tremendous opportunities for us. And one of the things we have done every year since I, got, since I can remember is to, to do shoeboxes under Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child through Samaritan's Purse that gives kids things that kids like and can use and also tells them and shares it's just a, it's a way of sharing the love of Jesus. Today is our collection day, and this afternoon everything will be going over to, no? They still have, they still have a few days because there's more to come in, I know that. Ah, so well, just let me know. Okay, I, I misspoke. We have a few more days before they have, the absolute deadline is in, so if you still have some and you haven't been able to get in touch, get in touch with Judy Ibs. And uh, we'll make sure that we, we get them, and we'll arrange how to, how to get them over there. I think it's the 17th or something is the pickup date, isn't it? Yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. How many do we have, Judy? On the stage so far, there's 55. So more to come. Wow. So on the stage, and I'm going to move over so you can see them, we have 55 boxes. Plus the ones that we've done filled in online. I know soon I did ours online this year, and uh, it just worked worked better for us. And um, that's fantastic. And we pray, and we know, we believe they're going to Central America this year mostly. Two or three countries in Central America and two or three countries, and I believe it's West Africa this year, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Good. Praise God and thank you for your generosity because we know kids come to Jesus through this. A lot of the boxes are going out with material and the material being offered to them when they, when they get the boxes if they want to know more about this Jesus that we all serve and in whose name we are giving these things. And so we, we just we want to pray for these boxes. And just before we carry on here and dedicate them, so please join me, with, if you will, as we pray for them. Father God, thank you that you gave this idea, this vision to, to one person, one man, and he saw the possibilities of thousands and thousands of children, and even through them, adults, 
coming to know you. And so, Jesus, we take these and we dedicate each of these boxes. We don't know who they go to specifically, but you do. You know each child, every age, boys and girls, who will receive one of these. We pray that it would touch their hearts. We, we are so encouraged when we heard of stories of kids that just carried them around with them because they had, no one had ever given them anything before. But you gave. You're a giver. You gave us your son. And we want to give your love to them in this practical way, but also spread and share your love with them through the gospel. And so, Lord, as these go out, we pray that would happen, that we would give opportunities for the people in the field to, re- to help these kids respond and learn about you and come to know you. We pray and we dedicate these in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Uh, and thinking of speaking of giving, just thank you, by the way, for those of you who faithfully support the ministry here. We could not do this without God's faithful people. And uh, for those who are here, a reminder that we do have debit terminal, but if you have an offering envelope, it can go into the little box beside the debit terminal as well. Okay. I want to continue in prayer for a moment or two. And you probably noticed the lyrics of one of the songs sounded familiar. Oh, come on. They must have all sounded familiar, but one of them in particular, because it was a newer version arrangement of the Lord's Prayer set to music. And today, as we spend a little bit of time in prayer, uh, we want to go through that prayer just I use the New International Version, but uh, if you remember it in King James, you can, you can pray it in your mind in King James. That works for me. But I'm going to pray it phrase by phrase. Let, join me, please, as we do. Our Father in heaven. Right there, that says a lot. You are a loving Father. You are the Father of, uh, of all. You, you are the model for a good Father. And we acknowledge you, first of all, our God, in heaven, that we know we do not pray to an empty, an empty stage, an empty statue, but to you. Hallowed and holy is your name. We lift that up. We, we treat it with reverence, Lord, because you are the holy one. You are the perfect one. There is no one greater than you. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. We pray, Lord, that your kingdom come, would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And when we say that, we mean that your will would be done. That people would understand your great love and having experienced that love themselves, would show others that love in the way we treat each other. And that in doing so, our worlds would be transformed into the kind of place that you would be pleased with. That's a big challenge, Lord, but we still pray it, that let your kingdom come. Not only that we know we will come in the future, but also that your, your influence, your rule and reign would be, would be felt here on earth as it is in heaven. 
We thank you, Lord, and pray and ask that you would meet our needs every day. We don't always get our wants, but you know what we need, Lord. You know the basics. We pray you'd meet them. Give us today food for our tables. I pray too, Lord, you would also, as we go through this world, you would guard us and protect us and not lead us into temptation because you would never do that. But protect us and deliver us from the influence of the evil one. For we know that not all things that go on here are pleasing to you. And we know who is behind those. Because, Lord, what we want is your kingdom to be seen. Because yours is the kingdom that we worship, that we are, that we are part of. Yours is, you are the one we worship. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is all the power. And yours is all the glory. And so when we do things in your name, Lord, we do them not for our own glory, but for you. And so, Jesus, I'm so grateful to you that you came to the cross that you gave your life, that you became the Lamb of God, the sacrificed Lamb who would take away the sin of the world. My sin, our sin. Thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom to come to you. You know our thoughts. You know our needs, Lord. Protect us. Encourage us. Comfort us. Lead us. We pray in your name. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Excuse me. Wow. History. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, and I can say this, and you might, it might put a smile on your face because you know who, who's standing in front of you, that some people have a gift of using a lot of words to make just a little point? <laughs> Here's an example. Here's an example. The question you have proposed is quite a thoughtful one and has engaged me in comprehensive thought. After much pondering, I regret to inform you the original asker, that I am unaware of a possible example which could be used to answer your query. <sighs> it is an incredibly interesting one, and yet I unfortunately do not have the means with which to provide a solid answer. Please forgive me and understand that it is not my fault, for the human brain can only think for so long, especially that of someone such as myself. Translation. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, why use just five words when you could use 94? I mean, really. Well, I know really. I'm just being a little bit cheeky, tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, but I feel a little bit like that when I listen to how Paul ends his letter and he goes into this long list of greetings that he wants to give at the end of a, of a pretty long letter. We're almost finished our series here. The, one more to go. Uh, in the last sermon, we talked about um, 
how I, I think I mentioned as we started those famous long goodbyes that my sweetheart Sue and I had with friends when we were we were all in our 20s and had had no kids so we could stay up all night and talk things like that today we're going to continue Paul's long goodbye to the Romans but I got to say this even though I love to talk <laughs> if I was writing the letter to the folks in Rome I would probably end it by saying something like, okay, got to go. Please say hi to everybody for me. But not the Apostle Paul. Nope. Uh, he has, th this list is longer than his arm of people that he wants to greet. And many of them he hasn't actually even met. He's only heard about. So we're going to begin at chapter 16, Romans 16. We're going to start right at verse 1. And we're going to read the first half of this chapter today. So uh, please follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bible on your table at home, or in your lap right here, uh, read in your own translation. Always good. Check out what the guy on the stage is saying. Make sure that he's getting it right. Okay. Romans 16, beginning at verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Take a big, big breath and we'll keep going. <laughs> Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trophena and Trophosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. <laughs> Sending greetings was, was actually pretty common at the end of a letter. Uh, but the, the sheer number of them here makes Romans kind of unique because he sends greetings to, to 26 individuals, two families, and at least three house churches. Now, you might be thinking, 
And you might have been thinking as you started to nod off while we were reading the list, so what? The, the points Paul makes in his greetings are, are pretty much irrelevant to us. What's the point, Pastor? Well, it's true that Paul isn't giving us a, a, a pattern to follow and a, and, a, and a set thing where you've got to plug in this thing at every time you send a letter to somebody. But his greetings do reveal a lot about this early Christian church and the other early Christian churches. So let's take a look at who is on some of the people that are on the list. First of all, uh, he wants to com commend one person, Phoebe. Phoebe... In the first century, there were not a lot of hotels and restaurants. There were very few public facilities. So people depended on others and the help they could get um, when they went anywhere. Phoebe is the one who is taking Paul's letter to Rome. So he commends her to the church there. We do know a little about her. She's a believer. She, he calls her a sister in the Lord. But he also says she's a servant. She's a deacon in the church at Centre. Deacon is the word, the Greek word diakonos. It means one who serves. Actually, it was the word that meant table waiter. Same word. But she serves in that church in Centria. Centria was actually, uh, it doesn't appear too many places in the scripture, but it was the harbor city for Corinth. Corinth was a little inland from the ocean. Centria was, was the harbor city. So it was like a suburb of the main city in Corinth. And Paul says, she'd been a great help to me. So I want you to make sure you give her uh, what she needs. It, it's very likely the help that Paul got was she was probably a benefactor or a patron who uh, May, may have been a businesswoman, may have been someone who used her wealth to support the church and the church's missionaries. Um, but I've got to tell you, it's great if you're going somewhere for the first time to have a letter of introduction. That's really good. So that's what he wants to do first. But then he has this, this long list. I thought about rolling up a piece of paper and just, you know, letting it fall to the ground and down the steps. It's a long list, isn't it, of people that he just wants to greet. Others. And some of them are familiar names. Priscilla and Aquila, you probably know from the book of Luke's and the book of Acts. They were also originally from Corinth, like Phoebe. Luke, in his gospel, says that um, they ended up, they landed in Corinth because they had to flee Rome when Emperor Claudius uh, put out an edict or an order expelling all the Jews from the city. And so they had to get out. That's Acts 18, verse 2, if you want to make a note of where it is and look at it. They also, though, had served with Paul in one of his other churches, in Ephesus. And they were uh, there. And then they had gone from Ephesus back to Rome after the emperor's edict lapsed. And so Paul said, calls them, he calls them his fellow workers. And he says, they risked their lives for me. Yeah, I'd want to send a greeting to them, too. Like, oh, man, guys, I couldn't have been here without you. Yeah. A lot of the other names, though, on this list are otherwise unknown. They, they only show up here. But we do know that in each case, each one of them, there, there was some significance to Paul. 
And that's what he, the little snippet that he writes. Some of them aren't earth-moving, earth but each one is significant to him. Uh, some examples, uh, and just, it, it's just from verse, verse 5, Epinetus. He says he was the first convert when Paul went into the province of Asia. Asia now is modern-day Turkey. The first convert. Ampliatus, loved in the Lord. Fellow workers, like Urbanus. Um, tested and approved, like Apollos. Herodian was actually a relative of Paul's. Probably a freed slave who took the name of the family that he served. Uh, Narcissus was also a freed slave. But others are mentioned because of, of certain qualities. Mary, he said Mary was a hard worker. Um, uh, Andronicus and Junia were also relatives of Paul, and they were imprisoned with him at one point. They, they were probably husband and wife, like Priscilla and Aquila. And so, we're not going to belabor all the names, but to say Paul finishes up the greetings with a request that we still have today. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, the kiss was a standard form of greeting in the ancient world, and, and in particular in Judaism. I think this kind of, this morphed by the second century in the church, this morphed into what they called the kiss of peace. Um, in, in Christian practice. And in the earliest Christian churches, the, the kiss of peace, or the holy kiss, took place after the reading of the word of God and before taking communion. It was actually part of every service. You see some churches today, some of the more mainline churches today, still, they have a, a meet and greet time at some point in the service where everybody stands up and they talk about it as passing the peace. I think this is where it came from, although I'm not sure if that's a, an accurate understanding of what they should have been doing with it. But it was an affirmation in the Lord of your fellow Christians, your fellow believers. Uh, I think we're a little squeamish about the whole kissing thing in our culture. Uh, so I think a lot of churches today turn that into a, a holy handshake. <laughs> but that just doesn't sound right, does it? A holy, what's a holy handshake? What's an unholy handshake? Anyway, uh, or maybe today, because of, of, of COVID, uh, a holy elbow bump or a holy virtual hug. That's what we do with our kids and grandkids. And so he finishes with this by finally just conveying a greeting to them. For he says, all the churches in Christ. And I, he's, he's being a little bit over the top with that statement. But he probably means the churches he talked about in chapter 15 that he planted from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. So all of those churches. So there isn't a lot of heavy theology in this greeting list, but it does give us quite an insight into the early church. And I, there's three observations that we can pull out of this. The first of this picture is that many of the early Christians came from what we would euphemistically called the lower classes. Uh, names in the ancient world gave a lot of information. Uh, they gave, gave information about ethnic origin or social class or occupation. Most of the people Paul mentions here are Gentiles or freedmen, descendants of slaves. 
and freed men, but not entirely, because we had others like Paul's family members, Priscilla and Aquila, um, relatively wealthy, who had, uh, probably had status and standing in the community, were able to host a church, so they had resources too. So it's, it's a generalization, but mostly the lower, the lower rungs of, of the culture. The second is that the, Roman, the early Roman church was, did not run like a, a, a clock. It was loosely organized. And that isn't surprising because that's the Jewish community in Rome that brought it to Rome in the first place wasn't a highly organized community. They met in probably two or three or more synagogues in and around the city, independent synagogues. We also can read into this, and we can read from this, there were at least three and possibly five house churches in Rome. I mean, where else would believers meet that didn't own property? And if they came from the, 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 these other stratas, they were freed slaves or uh, free men or, or descendants of slaves, they wouldn't have had a lot of dough. Didn't own buildings. Some of them, though, and because of this disconnectedness, these independ- the independence of these groups, probably, you know, a couple of uh, sermons ago, we talked about the people who were weak in the... In, in their faith and the people who were strong in their faith. Probably, depending on the group they were in, some groups would have been built with a lot of those weak ones in and some with the strong. Because that's human nature. We kind of gravitate to people who think and believe the same with us. Which I think is another reason Paul really wanted to tell them, guys, get together. You're all part of the church here. You're all part of the body. Third point. Women made up a very significant part of this church. Out of those, those 27 names on the list, 10 of them are women. Luke is the only other gospel where there are a lot of women featured. But Paul singles them out to be greeted. He says six of them are commended for their labor in the Lord. One of them, Junia, had a very significant role in the Roman church. And another, Phoebe, was a benefactor and deacon and was going to Rome and taking the message and possibly staying there. The women in the church had the same access to God as the men of the church. This was like living out what Paul wrote in Galatians 3.28, where he said, there's, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor was there male and female. All are one in Christ Jesus. In many of the religions in the ancient world, women were only allowed to participate by proxy through their husbands or to take very minor roles on the fringe or the outside of things. Even in Judaism, in the temple, there was a court for women, but there was also a court where the men could go, but the women couldn't. Not so the Christian church in Rome. Now scholars are divided over the roles available to women in the church. In Rome, 
Men and women appeared to have equality in the community and in the worship. But while Paul calls the women on his list co-workers, which makes it sound like we're equal in everything, it doesn't say what kind of ministry they did. And though Phoebe was a deacon at, at the church in Centre, it doesn't say that she was a pastor or a leader. But Junia was a different matter. The church at Rome had a female apostle. Junia. You're going, what? Yeah. Many scholars use this part of Romans 16 in addition to other scriptures in the New Testament to support their belief that all offices in the church are open to women. And they'll often cite Junia in Rome. Other scholars think that the name is actually a corruption and it should have been spelled Junius with an S at the end, which is a male name. But the weight of the manuscript evidence, we have over 14,000 manuscripts and fragments of the New Testament in three, three major groupings around the Mediterranean. The weight of the manuscript evidence is that it's a female name. And Paul calls her an apostle. So it certainly looks like the Roman church had a woman apostle. But we have to be cautious here. Because the question we always have to ask is, can we extend this as a timeless principle to all, the ch to all churches? Is this a timeless principle? Or is it a, a one-off? Good scholars say yes. Equally good scholars say no. And it's a really important point to discuss. But it isn't the main point of Paul's farewell greetings. So we're going to just leave it there for today. We will. But we'll get back to it at some point. Well, there's a couple of things that I think we can take away and apply today for sure. These are things that we know for certain and, would, and be useful for our own ministries. This list of greetings is not a pattern for a church. It just happens to be the composition of this church. It isn't saying all churches have to be exactly like them. But the first thing we know for sure from reading this is that God has a special concern for the poor, for the downtrodden, for the helpless. And so should we. Luke uh, spoke at length about this in his gospel. Jesus, in his sermon in, the, in Nazareth from Luke 4, said, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring the good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And James, in his epistle to, general epistle to all the church, said that God has chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. And James also said, pure religion is this to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Orphans, widows, oppressed. Ministry to the poor. Ministry to um, 
those who don't have a place to lay their head. It has to be part of our vision. It may not be our entire vision, but it has to be a part of our vision. Being able to give food to kids on the weekends through backpacks and homes where they're at risk because they don't have enough to eat. That's a good thing. That's why we took that on. We may never see any fruit or result from that here. But it's the right thing to do, and we do it. So that's the first. Second is uh, Paul's encouragement that we probably in chapter 14 and 15 and now 16 it's encouragement to get along with, with one another. That still applies today. But it applies, and, and Paul was talking within churches. And, and we certainly need that within our churches, don't we? But it also has to be between churches in our community. Getting along for the glory of God has to be a high priority in everything we do. Even, even in areas where we disagree. And when I say disagree, I mean on non-essentials, of course. Because we know what the essentials are, and we've talked about that at length. But even with those who have a different understanding of those, we can't let it negatively impact our fellowship with people. Because those are people for whom Christ died. And they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we need to recognize that. Will we ever do things the way that they do it across town in so-and-so church? Well, I know they believe the gospel. I know I've seen their statement of faith. I know that they're trusting in Jesus alone. I know that they know everyone's a sinner and there's only one path to Christ. They're my brothers. They're my sisters. We won't necessarily always agree, but we will get along. And we will cooperate and do things together where we can. because we are on mission together with them for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel. Last point is not a direct point, but it's, an imp- it's, it's implied. It comes out of this. The church, our, ch- our church, should model the diversity that reflects the gospel that we preach. We are not all the same. <laughs> You're looking at me like, yeah, nobody's like you. <laughs> we are not. But the people in this list, these greetings, the people listed here are from all kinds of backgrounds, all ethnicities, all social structures. Most of them were Gentiles, but some were also Jewish. The gospel is for all nations all nations. And our mandate, our commission, is to take and make disciples from all the nations. Is that what not, not what Matthew 28 says? Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I command. All the nations. That's our mandate. That's our commission. As, as we, at various points, each of us is going to depart this world. 
And as we prepare, no matter when that way may be, we don't want our last thought to be, did I forget anyone? Because no one is beyond redemption. No one is too evil to be saved. If they only will turn from their sin and confess Jesus as Savior and receive him as Lord. Romans 10, 9, and 10. So let's care for those that need it the most. And let's get along here and among the other churches and show the world the unity of the Holy Spirit being acted out. And let's be at church of all nations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son. Thank you that without him and apart from him, we can do nothing, but that in him we can do all things. All things. And so, Lord, as we give thanks for this crazy list, we give you thanks for the picture it gives us of, of who you call and how you work and how we should do. And so, uh, take this Give, we give it to you, Lord. Soak it into our hearts and our minds and our spirits that your truth would soak in and stay there and that anything that's not will just disappear. In your name, Jesus, we pray and ask. Amen. Let's, uh, we're going to sing one more song as we finish and then we'll, uh, then we'll be done. Oops.